0: Welcome to the Startup Smarter Podcast, the best audio show for people who are ready to turn their big ideas into big income. Each week, we explore effective business strategies, guest interviews, and success stories that will help transform the hard grind of starting a business into a smarter and more scalable experience. Here's your host, Joe Johnson. Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Johnson, and on today's podcast, I'm sitting down with my good friend Christina Vol from ChristinaVoll.com, where she guides people on how to become a digital nomad and location independent, whether you're an employee, a freelancer, or an entrepreneur. But first, it's time for listener shoutouts, where each week we'll select a random review to read on the show. Then we'll take those names and enter them into a drawing to win a special prize at the end of the month. That being said, this week's shout out goes out to Jennison, who actually is a person I used to work with. So thank you Jennison, for writing the review. All right, so she wrote, I worked with Joe and he's always so knowledgeable. I can't wait to hear the episodes. You know, what's funny about this is that I originally applied to work for this company that both she and I would end up meeting at with the intention of doing some recon work. And I had already launched my e-commerce business and I wanted to see what my future would look like if I gave my e-commerce business hundred and ten percent of my energy and really scale it up, like to a multi-million dollar brand with an office space, full-time employees and an HR department, stuff like that. I actually ended up meeting a bunch of really smart people, plus I got a chance to learn a lot of cool techniques and strategies and business discipline about learning how to run a global e-commerce brand. However, if you'd like to hear more about that story and why I ultimately walked away from my e-commerce business, go ahead, head over to our Facebook group over at facebook.com forward slash startupsmarter.net and leave a message saying, spill the beans. And if enough people are interested, I will go ahead and come back on an episode and tell you that full story. All right. So back to the episode. Now, a couple of episodes back, I had Sheridan Cahoon from Outside Vibes talking about how he runs an e-commerce business about dropshipping while he travels the world. And since then, you guys have been peppering me with questions about how to become a digital nomad and how you can get started. But I'll be the first person to tell you that when it comes to being a digital nomad and running a business at the same time, I'm not an expert. So instead, we did the next best thing. We invited Christina Voll on the show to share with us the essential tips, tricks, do's and don'ts when it comes to being a digital nomad. Now, in this conversation, you're going to hear essentially why I invited her to the show. It's because Christina has somehow gotten away with never actually stepping foot in an office in her entire life. And she's made a living working as a digital nomad. And she's going to share with us how she's been able to do that, as well as some different paths you can take. So that way you can go ahead and do the same thing. Now, stay tuned because we're about to get into the full story all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my episode with Christina from ChristinaVoll.com. Let's get into it. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell us about your business and how it came to be.
1: Since I was 18, I've been working in social media marketing and now digital marketing as a freelancer. I still continue to do that. I've worked with over 20 brands since then. And over the last few years, as I was continuing with freelancing, I also adapted a really nomadic lifestyle as I was traveling around a lot. And I still am. So from there, I decided I wanted to do something a little bit more purposeful. So I decided I wanted to teach how to become a digital nomad. A lot of people were asking me how to do it, and I I had a lot of tips that I wanted to offer. Um, It's kind of a second side to my business, other than me still doing digital marketing freelancing. I'm also offering courses and I'm teaching courses about how to become a digital nomad.
0: Okay. And so for the uninitiated in the audience, can you explain what a digital nomad is and how it's different from being just a regular freelancer?
1: So digital nomads are nomadic. By definition, we are using the means of technology in any form really to support ourselves and cover our living costs while we live abroad, uh, which means being on the road and not having so much of a fixed address. Whereas freelancers may not have a long dependent job, although they typically stay in one place when they're working. The main difference is, for example, if freelancers become nomadic, then by definition, they would become a digital nomad.
0: That makes sense. Okay. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because I read somewhere that you've never actually stepped foot in an office. That's amazing. Can you sell me on the top three pros for choosing the digital nomad lifestyle over the traditional nine to five job model?
1: Essentially, being able to have that freedom to Put your health and your friends and your family at the same level of your work life is definitely a huge aspect to have the freedom to focus on the more important things. And with proper time management, you can do this. And depending on your client setup, you can do this. But one of the things that this lifestyle has, the typical nine to five definitely does not. Being able to be your own boss, to motivate yourself, to be able to set goals and actually achieve them, and then be sitting there thinking, oh, I need to make new goals. That's something that this lifestyle brings a lot. And also too, being tested in the terms of traveling and being able to see the world and being able to bring that just no development and put it back and make it reflect back into your work and increase your productivity because most of the time you're on the go you're traveling and sometimes it can be a little bit of a whirlwind but altogether makes this lifestyle what it is and it's definitely something that's again that's different than the nine to five but there's a lot of amazing aspects to it that really makes you feel like you're living.
0: Okay, and you said that you do like online marketing as your job when you're traveling around. How did you get into that?
1: How I got my first client was, ironically enough, on a Facebook ad. I remember I was sitting in a university lecture, and the last 20 minutes of the lecture, I was I was bored on Facebook, and then I was kind of filling in the application, and it was the only one that didn't need a cover letter, and the application was really short. It was asking some questions, and I was kind of having fun with it. They asked, if you could teach a class, what would it be about? I said, learning how to learn, which is kind of, it's, it's an interesting answer. So, I then got an interview, which was great, and actually... I made the client laugh so hard on the interview. He's like right on the spot. He's like, I'm hiring you. I have three other interviews, but I'm going to hire you. So luckily I got an in this way. I got confidence working from this client and then it kind of snowballed into having more clients and developing a business from that.
0: Now, was it a Facebook ad that was looking for people to help with marketing or did they train you on how to do marketing?
1: They were looking for a social media manager. I was honest and I said, you know, I'm 18, I don't really have so much experience, but obviously I have Instagram and my friends have Instagram I can learn and everything and they were kind of open with the fact that I was going to start out and it was going to be more for my experience and that's why when I was 18 I took a lower paying wage from them and then they said since we're paying you lower it's kind of for your personal development for your experience so I took that and I said it was okay they helped me out a little bit and then they also let me learn by myself which was really great as well it was basically just the co-founder of the company and myself and we were a communication back and forth. And it's now been four years and the brand has grown a lot. So that's definitely something that was really cool. It was a nice way to start everything.
0: Wow. Okay. That's a great opener and a great introduction into this whole digital nomad lifestyle and really bold, I have to say. So kudos.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm grateful for it. It was a great opportunity.
0: Okay, so let's say that I'm genuinely interested in becoming a digital nomad. What are some things I'm going to need to be ready to sacrifice in order to do this?
1: So for starters, I would definitely say having a normal social life, as crazy as it sounds, because being nomadic, you are often in a different country every few weeks or however often you travel. This can actually take a hit on your social life and even a normal relationship as well um, because a lot of my friends back home where I went to university, they disincluded me now from things because I'm never in the country. (laughs) Having a normal social life is, is hard, but it also is important to acknowledge that and take more time to put into it as a digital nomad. Also, taking that aspect in when you're working in cafes all day or when you're working at home all day, you actually... It, depending on your setup, you have no physical team of people around you, so it can actually become a little bit lonely because you're traveling all the time and you don't have a physical office with people that are sitting beside you, a team, let's say. You could have it remotely, short, sure, and you could have video calls, which is great, but of course it's not real human interaction. So that's something that's a lot different, and a lot of people, I don't think, think about that. And also, too, just being able to deal with traveling all the time and you know do you book your accommodation for tomorrow night and do you book your flight for tomorrow or do you give your client the report that was due yesterday you kind of have to do that trade-off in your head and you have to really be able to manage your time to get everything done but those are just small things that you can definitely overcome
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and flip that question around. How have you been able to overcome those things like a lack of a social circle, not having people like let's say in an office setting because you're in like Barcelona, Spain right now, yes. right? So how are you overcoming those right now?
1: Actually, I'm understanding that Facebook groups are a huge resource. I'm in for marketing purposes. I've kind of done a little bit of research, just asking questions and whatnot about my business, about any specific questions to digital nomad Facebook groups. And I've actually gone to some events in Barcelona, for example, I've met up with some people and just chatted about this digital nomad lifestyle. So that was an interesting kind of avenue I took to go and overcome that. And also just in general, focusing on my relationship that I already had. Um, I, as i progressed being a digital nomad and was realizing that these were some of the obstacles, I straight up told my friends and my family, I said, look guys, my lifestyle is very different, but you guys are important to me. So I'm going to make sure that we still see each other when we do. And I may not be in your life a lot, but we still can make that connection. Luckily, through technology and being able to talk and text and video call and everything. So kind of just acknowledging that it, it was a thing and being able to lay it out and accept it.
0: You know, how much money should a person save before they get started? Like if you can go back to the very beginning and you had your first plane ticket, were you like, you know, what? I should have saved a little bit more money for this?
1: I definitely don't advise people to go and travel when they are living off dollar to dollar because it could create a lot of stress. I would say a lot of my friends, for example, that may not be digital nomads, but they often travel as well. A lot of the time, they kind of split up their year where they work six months of the year and then they go and travel the other half or a few months at least. So if you have a a decent base of money where, you know, if worse comes to worse, you can buy a plane ticket home or if worse comes to worse, you can somehow get out of a situation, it's always important to travel with a safety net of money. You can also be really frugal with your money, and you can understand how to save it on some things and then when to make the trade-off if you're going to spend money. I don't usually buy clothes that often, um, but I buy a lot more plane tickets, I would say. so. yeah so it depends what you want to spend it on if you have an overall view of your financial spendings and what you plan to spend it on then it really boils down it doesn't it's not actually that much more expensive to be traveling depending on where you're living
0: okay that makes sense okay so let's go ahead and talk about uh, your business a little bit more now with the people that you've helped in the past what's the most common way people make money to finance their travel that you've seen
1: There's a few different ways. From what I've experienced, a growth agency out of Israel, and they have a semi-remote team, either graphic designers, developers, working in marketing, content marketing, any type of job related to that is one way to make money. I've also met a lot of photographers and videographers, which is another way. I've met Developers, which is a big way, but of course, it's a different type of lifestyle because often if you're a developer on a contract with a company, then you are often working long hours. Then again, I can also talk about my clients too. All the clients that I've had kind of started up their side business, whether it be selling a retail good like a phone case or home improvement company my clients selling a retail good online, like a phone case or an online tutoring service, doing a business that you can run online. That's another way of doing it. And a lot of times people start out as kind of a side hustle when they have a nine to five. And then ideally, they would be able to then move into that full time.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And that's a wide array of different skills that you could use or roles that you can fill while you're traveling to kind of finance the travel. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And my brother, even for example, he teaches piano online. Wow. Yeah. So I'm super happy that I inspired him to do that. And I'm very surprised that he's doing it because I didn't even think that you could do that. I would think that you would need to sit beside somebody to teach piano. But yeah, so really... There are countless opportunities and there's probably opportunities I don't even know about. It's becoming more and more of a thing. A lot of people are realizing it makes sense to cut out the physical business and kind of the middleman and be able to operate online.
0: Okay. So let's talk to the skeptics in the audience. You know, they're saying, (laughs) you know, you're a digital nomad. All you do all day is surf and you work on a computer. So I'm curious. On average, how much revenue does your business generate each month?
1: Per month, it would depend. I'm anywhere from 1,500 to... Three thousand, it depends because a lot of the time, as much as I want to have more security and, you know, lock my clients into a long contract, sometimes it just doesn't make sense on both of our ends. The nature of the being a freelancer is that sometimes, you know, you have a six month contract and then your client runs out of budget and then they have to stop for a few months and then they could start back up. So I'm working somewhere between part time and full time per year. I would say making between Thirty and thirty-five thousand. If you are planning to go into this lifestyle and your plan is to make a lot of money, I would say that you kind of need to readjust your mindset. I'm not saying that it's hard to make a lot of money. It's definitely highly likely that you could. Although, if you do the trade-off based on how much you value your lifestyle and your quality of life and the ability to have total freedom and live kind of a different life, something that you that you really um, can have freedom and do what you want, then that is much higher than any monetary value can give you. So if you take that into the equation, of course you're gonna be more rich with this lifestyle. But getting started, it's like any business. You start into a new field, you have to kind of still work your way up. Although the good thing about it is that you don't have to wait for management to decide that you need a a three cent raise or anything like this. You can prove to a client why you raised your rights and things like this. So you actually have a, a lot more opportunity to move up as well.
0: We haven't even talked about expenses because looking at it from the person who's sitting in their car saying, you know what, I have $60,000 a year job, but they're going back to work. They're in the commute every day. And they couldn't do the $30,000. Their expenses, I'm sure, when you're traveling are a lot less. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's actually quite funny. I went to school in Toronto and it's definitely a big city and my school was in the downtown course. I actually was spending more money just paying rent as a student and the cost of textbooks, not even counting to I am now traveling all over the world. I would say I spend roughly 1500 a month, give or take a few hundred. Typically, like 30% is allocated to flights and transportation, and then 60% accommodation and food, entertainment, as in entertainment is usually like snowboarding, surfing, something that I have to rent equipment for. But yeah, it's pretty crazy because in Toronto, I was spending actually a lot more money just on rent alone, and I've never stepped foot into an office, but I know going from university into a nine to five, you're probably gonna have to spend quite a bit of money on clothes for the business look. You're probably gonna have to spend money on a car, Metro Pass, commuting. So actually traveling when you don't have a fixed cost for rent and you can pay whatever country you're in, the bear currency, it actually ends up being a lot less.
0: Very good point. If you could break down your day in terms of percentages, what percent do you feel like you spend doing client acquisition? And then what percent do you feel like you're doing fulfillment?
1: It definitely depends on my workflow and where I am with my clients. The last few months, actually, it always is at the end of the year. You know, your clients readjust their budget and sometimes contracts just end based on their time. And those next months after, I was looking for clients. So I spent a lot more time doing that whereas sometimes my workload is really full. So I just focus on the tasks at hand with my clients and I'm all about that. It's quite funny because sometimes when I have a full load of clients, I have to actually schedule an hour a day to work on my website. And I take that as a little treat at the end of the day, which sounds really nerdy, but working on my personal brand and working on gathering more clients, whether it be coaching, whether it be for digital marketing, that is something I do when I, I need to do it. Whereas when I have tests I hand with my clients, I am all about that.
0: Okay. So it really does depend on how many clients you have at that moment. But I'm guessing that once you do have a set number of clients, all it really is, is just, okay, set aside some time in the day to fulfill. And then the rest of the day, you kind of have to, you know, walk around, travel, do whatever you want. Now, as you've continued to grow your business over the last few years, what's been the most effective method for you to find new clients?
1: It really just depends. I think the best advice I could give you is to trust the process. For example, my last client was through a job search board called Indeed. I think it's quite big over a few different countries. So I got one of my clients through there and generally I would go there first if I'm trying to find new clients because it's the most direct way to get a client for digital marketing. I've actually met a few clients when I was traveling that actually made business connections out of it as well. I think just in general, if you trust the process and you trust that your work is good in putting yourself out there and saying yes to opportunities, there's a lot of different ways to get clients.
0: When it comes to searching, let's say on Indeed, what exactly are you looking for?
1: I think this option is quite new. A year ago, when I was searching there was no option to put remote, so I would have to search in the word of the job description, remote, okay. But now, Indeed actually lets you search remote positions. When it asks you what type of job, so I'd be like marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, something along these terms. And then I actually put remote as a section.
0: Are you looking for more so, let's say, part-time work, full-time, contract, freelancer? What's your option there?
1: You can put contract, freelancer, part-time, full-time. I actually put everything, depending on what my workflow is like. Generally, I'm looking for part-time because that means I can still maintain my ties with my other clients. Which are quite important to me considering I've had clients for over four years. Overall, my growth is important. So I do kind of look for a lot of different opportunities and then address them as they come.
0: Okay. So this is a huge insight that you're sharing with us right now. I don't think that you understand right now how big this is. So for a person who's sitting there right now, who is looking on Indeed.com, they might be looking for another role. They've never even considered that they can get a part-time role that is remote and then go ahead and parlay that into a digital that position if they want to travel at the same time and then also add in a second part-time client now they have the cash flow to travel and work remote and go around the world. That's pretty big. That's awesome.
1: You're almost painting a picture. You can look on LinkedIn for one type of job. Maybe you'll secure something from there and maybe it will be as small as five hours a week or something from a client. Or you can help a friend from your inner circle do their social media or something like this. And you can kind of start small. But if you have 10 small contracts or if you have five small contracts, then you actually can build a business. Now with technology, with job boards, with LinkedIn, with all of our social connection, we have so much opportunity. It's just who's going to go out there and get it.
0: Okay. Let's talk about discipline, right? I think there's this misconception that digital nomads are all these group of backpackers who crash on sofas from place to place. And that's why a lot of people might be afraid to take the big leap towards embracing this liberating type of lifestyle. So my question is, do you feel like there's a certain amount of discipline and work ethic a person needs to have in order to do this the right way?
1: Yes, definitely. There is a lot of discipline after five years of doing it. I would say that that discipline was always backed by, this is why I'm doing it. But with that being said, there was definitely some nights where I would stay up to 3 or 4 a.m. working on something that may not have been relevant in the morning, or I was working on something really hard, and then I realized I did it wrong because I was self-teaching myself. So there's this kind of resilience that you really do need to have, being your own boss and being able to self-teach yourself things. But then you can sit back on a beach or on the top of a mountain and you can just be like, wow, my resilience took me here. So you really always have to relate it to the why and then be grateful for it.
0: I love that quote. My resilience brought me here. (laughs) Thank you. You've been location independent for years and years now, working on your business while traveling from country to country. Talk to me about the oh-so-sexy topic of taxes. So what's the protocol there when, let's say, my residency is in the USA, but I spent the last nine months or so in a totally different country?
1: Considering I am Canadian, I'm not very familiar with U.S. tax system, although I do know that in Canada, you have to pay for taxes if you're a filed resident, and you're only... Uh, applicable for non-residency if you have left the country for more than two years in a five-year span. And then of course you get married or file for a non-residency or some other reason like that. You need to pay taxes for the income that you do earn in Canadian companies. Is possible for the companies around the world? It depends whether they're paying taxes in their country and asking for tax from you. There is an exception to this. If you're making over 30K a year, then you have to charge HST on your services, which is another form of tax. To be honest, there's a lot of different dimensions <laughs> to the tax system, especially if you're living abroad having different different clients in different countries. So once you start making income online, I would suggest that you just hire an accountant that specializes in taxes for digital nomads. That is a little bit easier than getting overwhelmed, and it's better to be safe than sorry, of course. You don't want to be owing money or get yourself into any trouble like that. (laughs) Definitely an interesting topic, for sure.
0: That's a great answer, and I probably should have prefaced it by saying that neither you or I are tax experts, and you should definitely go consult with one before you start the long journey of becoming a digital nomad and traveling, so that way you can pay taxes and not get in trouble. You probably get this question a lot. How have you solved the issue of having consistent access to Wi-Fi as you travel?
1: A lot of the time, I buy a SIM card in that country and get at least 10 Gs of data or 5 Gs of data. Usually, most of the time, it's quite cheap, and whenever the Wi-Fi cuts, you can hotspot on your phone. If you can't find anything, going to a hotel is is a good option because then you could just order something at their restaurant and treat it as a cafe, and typically they always have Wi-Fi.
0: Ah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Let's say I approached you for coaching on how to turn my dream of traveling while earning money with my business into a reality. What's your process for helping your clients get started, and how long does it usually take before I'm beachside?
1: This is actually client specific and it depends on the type of drive that they have. My beginning of my coaching is laying out the basics. Most people just need that extra push to get started. Where do you go and find jobs? How do you sell yourself? Anything like that, kind of the basics and kind of finding what they really want to do and what they're actually going to really be good at. Typically after some time, it's kind of actually though, because you say lying beachside and most digital nomads I think will agree is actually not about lying beachside. We wish we could sometimes but majority of the time we're on our laptops in like an air conditioned room looking at people on the beach who are on vacation. No I totally understand what you mean about the lifestyle and everything and being able to travel um, and work remotely. Getting over that hurdle and accepting that you know you're not going to necessarily always be beachside like there's a difference between being a digital nomad and being on vacation so i think a lot of people if they start picking up some work here and there it's overcoming that hurdle of understanding that it's you're kind of always working still like you're still working the same hours as the nine to five so my coaching is kind of more focused on purposeful encouragement and the outlook of the lifestyle and being able to hack your mindset rather than having a checklist that you cover that will magically make you a digital nomad because, of course, that's not possible. (laughs) So kind of how to hack your mindset into accepting this lifestyle. Of course, there's the basics of how to get clients and how to start out and all of the technical side to it. But a lot of people, I find, have a little bit of a struggling time with the mindset to it. So they first have to understand the lifestyle, understand the pros and the cons. And also, I'm working on a course that's geared towards business owners now with a more technical side, encouraging them to start up their side business fully remotely and to do it with ease hopefully because of my course so yeah although to answer your question within six months I would say could be having a sustainable income and then within a year you could be comfortable although some people just like any course may want to quit after three months and focus that it's not for them but I think Around the three months is when the whole mindset starts to kick in. So that's kind of why I'm offering one-on-one coaching and I give access to my personal WhatsApp and whatnot as well. I can help people overcome the barriers that they'll start to face once they once I get clients, once they, they start getting money coming in, once they get a little bit overwhelmed with picking travel destinations and all of these things that... A lot of people don't think about when they think of the overall
0: lifestyle. All right. We're nearing the end of the interview and we haven't even covered things like visas, visa runs, flight hacks, and all that other really cool, fun stuff. But before you go, I was curious, what's something that you're grateful for that has been a direct result of running your own business? I'm,
1: actually grateful for my mistakes, in a sense, and how I've been able to give myself the ability to make mistakes and to be able to learn myself and self-teach myself, which then I believe has given me a really great type of drive and a really great type of resilience that I'm now super hungry for learning and I always have been but I think being able to be in a place where you can make mistakes and you can learn from them is adapting a growth mindset which is more important than I think any other type of tactic if you're in the nature of growing businesses and you know want to contribute to your company's growth for example anything like that being able to make mistakes and learn from your mistakes is is really really important and that's something I'm really grateful for because I used to be Not so grateful for my mistakes, of course, but now I look back and I'm like, wow, I've come a long way. So being able to grow and observe your growth is a very important thing.
0: Great, great insight. Now, one question we ask all of our guests is that if you had to start over from the very beginning, from day one, what would be your number one smart tip for launching a successful business?
1: I would say, say yes to everything. It's kind of been the theme of this whole podcast, but really it's one of my best topics of advice because even those questions in your head, can you do this? Is it worth it? In my experience, I had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of people, my friends, my family, they didn't think that I could make a sustainable income posting things on Instagram, for example. uh, That's what they boiled it down to. And I said, you know what? Yes, I can make a business out of this. I can be able to grow and learn more things and be able to make this into an actual functioning business. I think we're our worst critics. So if you say yes to the question, in your head, as well as opportunities, everything will kind of just fold itself out. And if you trust the process, it will happen.
0: I love it. Say yes to everything.
1: (laughs) Within reason, within reason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Again, Christina, thanks for taking the time to jump on the show and share what you know.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: Where can people go to learn more about what you're up to?
1: Christinovol.com is more or less just generally what, I, what I've been doing, and I'm going to be adding a few more sections to that. And then if they want to follow my travels, my Instagram is XO.
0: All right. I'll be sure to go ahead and add that to the show notes. Again, Christina, well, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christina from ChristinaVoll.com. Now, some of my biggest takeaways from this episode was how Christina goes about acquiring new clients. She essentially turned a simple ND job search into a place where she could find new potential clients by turning on the remote-only filter, which, like she mentioned before, was not an option until recently. This is big news if you're either just starting out or you solely rely on word of mouth referrals. This is a great way to secure a stream of income and be employed while you're traveling around. Uh, Number two, I love that we had a chance to talk about all the other types of jobs and services that other people would pay for so that way you can become a digital nomad. It was cool to hear that even her brother has his own side hustle of teaching people how to play the piano remotely which is an amazing idea because you wouldn't immediately think that's possible, but it's stuff like this that challenges our thinking and gets you wondering what skills do you have right now that you could offer that people would pay for. And also, Christina has some great tools and guides over on her website. And if you wanna check those out, I'll link them up in the show notes, and you can get all those links by heading over to startupsmarter.net forward slash podcast and looking for episode 13. Also, before I leave you, I wanted to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review for the Startup Smarter Podcast. Let us know how we're doing. We love serving you and we wanna know how we can do better. And I love reading your feedback and reviews because it helps make the show better for everyone. All right, my friends, this episode has been lovingly edited and produced by our intern, Eric Mercado at Startup Smarter. That wraps up episode number 13 from the Startup Smarter podcast. This is Joe Johnson signing off, and I'll see you on the next episode.